they lie with Mickey and Willie? No, but we are now. Ah. Ah. We are live. We are indeed. So, weaponized whales, gay sandwiches, or are we going to get straight into John? Um, okay, let's leave the gay sandwiches and the weaponized whales for a little while. And uh, we've got another guest uh, in today, uh, Mr. John Morango from um, the States, has been in Bangkok for a long time working as an actor um, and a voice coach and uh, a sound over guy, uh, voice recordist. Uh, but started out, um, you, you, were born, you were born in Boston or you no. were born in New York? Oregon. Oregon, of course, because, yeah, Oregon's calling Salem. Salem's, yeah, well, Salem's boring, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually, I grew up in... Uh, you, you gotta, if, you, if you ever saw Stand By Me... Yeah. I, oh, I, I love that film. Yeah, I grew up in this, this small mountain town like 10 miles from there. But I got out as soon as I could. You got out pretty quick, and then you started... Oh, man, I yeah. just... I mean, all I... Uh, it, it was like throughout high school, it was just like, there's got to be something more than this. There's got to be something... And, <laughs> and, and there was. I auditioned for this New York acting school, and I got in, yeah. So that, yeah, that, was that would have been in the, the, the 70s, New York, yeah, CBGBs. Yeah, um, late 70s. Uh-huh. I got there 77, yeah. And you saw, yeah, that would have been around the time you saw Iggy Pop perform live. And, and pee, the Ramones, right? And, and no, his pants. that was years later. Oh, that was later. That but, was actually in Eugene, Oregon. <laughs> Oh wow! Or he peed his pants. But I saw a lot of I saw a lot of live music in the. I mean, in New York, CBGBs in Max, Kansas City. That's where all of them began. Talking Heads and Eurythmics and Cindy. They, that's that's where, of course. Blondie. I those were kind of my wild days. So I don't and you know they were unknown. So I don't remember that I saw them, but I know I did because I was there like every other night. <laughs> I just had no idea who they were at the time. They had no idea who they were. And you had Max's Kansas City as well. That I, yeah. Time. You know, CBGB's got more popular. I don't know why. I like Max's was better, I thought. CBGB's was pretty sleazy. Do you see Sex Pistols? No. No, I never saw well, them. Well, they only toured. They only did that one tour, didn't they? I think they? they were there one night, actually. Yeah. Yeah, but, oh, they did yeah, CBGB's. I mean, I might I have. I think but they might have done. I might have, That's but where I don't they remember. Probably played. Yeah. I don't remember. No, they would have been, no I would have remembered because they were known by that time. Mm. But you saw the Ramones, right? Yeah, Ramones I saw. Oh, God, yeah. so jealous. Imagine being that back at CBGB's in the Actually, 70s, Ramones in New I York. remember. I rem- but there was the, the other ones, your Rhythmics and all these other ones where I read years later, oh, they were there. I said, wait a minute. And yeah. then uh, there was fuzzy. Cause I was always high. That time. So <laughs> yeah. I didn't remember who they were at the Wonderful. time, but it's like, no, I did see them. They That definitely was them. Yeah. I just didn't know who they were. But it wasn't all fun and games. You were um, studying acting. At the conservatory there, correct. Yeah. Uh, and you took up a job as a yellow taxi driver yeah. in a city, Forty uh, Third oh. Street and Management. You, you were saying it was pretty easy to work out. It's not. not it's not like being a, 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 a Bangkok taxi driver, where the, the road system's really difficult, or a London taxi oh, driver. Oh, as far as getting it's, it's around, kind of like a grid work, isn't it? Oh my yeah, yeah, yeah but like. First, second, third, yeah, yeah. Or fifth street. But that's just Manhattan. Actually, when people would say, uh, yeah, going into the Bronx or Long Island, then it was really funky because it, <laughs> it didn't make any sense. Yeah. But Manhattan is just like the easiest city in the world. It really is. It's, it's a just east-west. Right? Yeah. yeah, it is. It's walking city. But you go, out, or even Brooklyn, people would have me go to Brooklyn, and I'd get lost. But in Manhattan, it was just, yeah, that was like the easiest. So I want to ask a question. Cocaine. Uh, no. What about it? Then versus now. I can imagine in the 1970s, it was like 
Whoa! Wasn't it an eighties film? The Coke? Or I don't was it know. Around? Oh, it was 70s. both. Coke yeah. was yeah, that was Coke and uh, um, actually seventies Coke and at least in New York, Quaaludes were a big thing. Oh, Quaaludes! Yeah. That was like the party drug. Eighties is when like MDM started getting more popular. Yeah, ecstasy. Yeah, yeah, ecstasy. Um, yeah. which was around for years, except it was MDM, MDMA. Here I'm telling this stuff like I really know my shit. I, I, I don't, but but I did. Drugs. But, I, but the MDMA basically all they did with MDM is they cut out the speed, so it's just kind of this beautiful euphoric, ecstasy, yeah, euphoric yeah. high, yeah. without all the speed in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was more the '80s. Uh, yeah, '70s. Yeah, it was it was coke and quaaludes. <laughs> and you know. All of the um, I don't know what that was Pfeiffer or whatever the pharmaceutical company is. Basically, they just locked up the warehouses to mm. all quaaludes. The street name was Lemon Lemon Seven Fourteens, and but they just <laughs> locked up the warehouses because it got so big on the black market, you know. And you well, that's Wolf of Wall Street, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. That, when, when I when I think of the <laughs> quaaludes, oh, right. that's, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> like they sit down I and they're relate. like, we're going to sit here. We're going to take this lemon drop or a lemon, you know, yeah. and they seven fourteens. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. They use the most people don't know the, the street name, but that was the street. Name. Oh, one one lemon seven fourteen and like two, three beers. And you're just like two, three beers just really added to it. And your whole body yeah. was just... Were they expensive to buy the little pills or no? No, but I don't really remember. No. A few dollars. I mean, I, that's, that's a weird thing. It's like that wasn't that much. Acid wasn't that much, even though that kept you for like 10 hours. And it's weird because Coke, which lasts like 20 minutes or half an hour, mm. and it's really expensive. 10 times well, as much as to, the other ones. Yeah. It used to be fun. It used to be dangerous. It used to be artistic. In the 1970s, you had like the William Burroughs living in the bunker in the Bowery, you know, and, uh, you know, artists, for $200 a month, he paid, right, he paid right. for that XYMCA gymnasium thing. He, uh, he was like a new fallout. That was fallout. like 60, uh, though. That was the seventies, seventy, but yeah. must have been early seventies. That would no, that, no. He was a, he was going to CBGBs, you know, and oh uh, really? He, he well, moved, that was late seventies. He moved out in the late seventies because they doubled the rent to four hundred dollars, and he had to go. Why and didn't live he say in hi St. to Louis. me? Uh, he probably did, but probably he was out of your noodle on quaid loads or whatever they're called. You <laughs> don't remember it. I didn't you know who he was. That at skinny the time. white gentleman was next to you, but um, since it's been Trump trumped up. Uh, the city's a different place, and I'm looking at, at going to New York in December, actually, this wow. year I'll for, come the, with for the first time. Um, let's do a, this strange life out <laughs> into New York. Uh, how is it? How does it compare now? To the, obviously, you can't afford to rent anywhere now. I um, I can't say I, I haven't been there in over 25 years. Really, but uh, where it was really bad was the 80s. I had left. By early 80s, um, then lived in Boston. But I went down there all the time anyway because I lived in Boston. Um, and it, I did a cool thing, which sometimes it, it racked up my credit cards because I was still an actor. But, you know, you, in New York, you don't say you're living in Boston. They wouldn't call you. So I, I give like a New York uh, telephone number and address and stuff. And then I, then I would get these calls and I'd be in Boston. It's like, yeah, John, tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock in the morning. You know, so, oh, you'd have I, to rush up there. Oh, I'd have to get yeah. a credit card and get one of those frequent, those, uh, you know, commuter uh, plane things and it'd be really crazy. But, um, but yeah, the 80s, uh, that's when there was all the squat. That's when people like Trump would, would like, he wasn't the only one. Uh, I mean, they were just buying out buildings and 
gutting them out and or the rents were like a 300 percent mm. rent increase and, and that was i had a friend he was so an it gets artist. gentrified pretty quickly right yeah later on later but i remember i mean this is this is what really said a lot about the 80s in in new york because i remember walking down sixth avenue and at that time i was living in boston but uh there was this guy like in his 50s salt and pepper hair mm. um he had he was panhandling and he had a sign he said my name's carl shapiro I was a cost accountant. I'm, I'm homeless. I'm broke. And that pretty much said what Manhattan was in, in the 80s. Nobody could afford it anymore. He was an accountant. A cost accountant, which cost accountants aren't CPAs. But, right. um, but yeah, the middle class, it, it was basically you had to have. I mean, and that's why after that, by the 90s, that's why uh, Brooklyn built up and, and New Jersey and Bronx, because everybody, nobody could afford Manhattan anymore. Mm. After the night, now I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it kind of balanced out, or I, it's. I haven't been there in such a long time. Uh, I think. I think if you're not mega rich and living in New York, you're living in pretty small, uh, like probably I, yeah. twenty square meters yeah, or thirty I, square I, I meters. I just had a thought about. Uh, did you see the film Margin Call? That was. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, they showed it at the film club on Soy Twenty Two the other night. Yeah, and I like that. And movie. the film producer was over. Did a Q and A afterwards. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And What's I, that about? Oh, that was great. Uh, it's about the 2008 um, uh, crash, financial right. crash, where they were, um, you know, they over- overestimated the selling on these uh, these dodgy loads. Um, mm. And it made me think, as the rent ra- rises to a ridiculous level, then they have to pay these b- bankers who live, you know, around Wall Street, these stupid salaries, you know. And then the whole thing becomes just more corrupt and corrupt, you know. Um and the bankers are taking more risks to try and make more money, and they're, you know, ultimately, you know, if if the stakes weren't so high, mm. if they didn't have to pay such a high rent, you know, would they take such disastrous? So it's one kind gambles? Of, it's one huge vicious circle of right. madness, right. basically. And this is how cities are built, isn't it, across mm. the world? And and that's that's how suburbs started. I mean, in New York. That's how I mean Brooklyn's now the hip place to live. I haven't been there since it became the hip place, but it's only because they couldn't afford Manhattan anymore, you know. And and every and now if they work in Manhattan, everybody commutes. I mean, there is people that live in Manhattan, mm. but most of them, the middle class, commute. You know, it's yeah. Would yeah, you but, say the same thing is happening in Bangkok currently with the rent prices and along BTS? Yeah, normal type normal type people aren't living along. They can't afford it. It's like thirty thousand baht, you know, to well, twenty thousand baht well, for a, for a condo, yeah. and that's a that's a monthly salary for for a college graduate, right. the Thai college graduate. Mm. Like my girlfriend used to get a place along here, and you could, you, but you have to go all the way off the BTS line, Udom Sook in the back. Tuck, mm. You can find one so for five thousand baht. So those stops that haven't been created yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like uh, a normal along the BTS, a Thai person. You know, an average type person, yeah. middle, even middle class, maybe cannot afford to live. But you know, the cool areas. You know what the cool areas are going to be because all the artists start moving in, don't they? And yeah, all, it's and like all the, the east cool end people. of London. But then, 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 then people yeah, get tongue law exactly, exactly. But it's but it's not cool anymore. I don't think. I mean, it's not now. It's, but but back in the day, it was all right. It keeps yeah. shifting. So you have you know. the artistic like areas and then everyone wants to live there and then it's not cool anymore mm. you know and then they start finding shifting. the rundown warehouses that were like yeah. uh, or shipyards and then they turn them into like some 
that's what they galleries did. Portland, shit, Oregon, yeah. they did that. Like this was like where all the homeless people and everybody was, and then they'd like <laughs> bought out, and it, it yeah. was just old shipyards. Because, and now it's because like the artists, the mall. Yeah, the artists and and the people on the fringes of society, and the people who maybe take a little bit of drugs and they're into their, as I say, into their art and the creative people. They don't mind living amongst homeless people, so they move in first. They kind of gen the gentrification starts. Well, artists and then. Everybody else follows. It's true. But artists, I think, create cities more than uh, politicians or town planners mm. do. That's true. Um, they, they come up with the... Um, um, and they document cities as well. If it weren't for artists, we wouldn't know what London was like in the 1700s. Yeah. We wouldn't know what Bangkok was like um, 30 years ago if it weren't for the books like people like Christopher Moore and uh, people that are documenting... Uh, and, and filmmakers as well. But then then it know. becomes, those areas become popular and gentrified, and it just, Greenwich Village is not what everybody reads about from, from the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. By the, by the mid-80s, it, it's, just, it's just yuppieville. Mm. Or actually, now I don't know if it's changed again, but, you know, when I was there, which is now over, over 25 years, um, but yeah, and that, and that was the same with uh, when I, I lived in Bond. I actually lived in Cambridge, close to Harvard, and uh, Harvard Square is kind of like a Greenwich Village, you know, all these coffee shops and stuff. And it was really cool in the '60s and the '70s, and even when I lived there in the '80s. But uh, but it became just a, a hip kind of cool place, and it became a lot more expensive, you know. Yeah, here though there's still. I think it's just because it's such a huge city. Yeah. Because um, there are these pockets where Thais still find these places that are four thousand yeah. club tall. No, no, no. A month. Yeah. I like, mean, they definitely weed out. You know, the more expensive. Mm-hmm. You know what gets me more is the Thais that are just working class that work in like expensive malls or expensive places, and they have no every you know every food place is is like you know. 200 baht to buy food they have to bring their own food yeah. they're the ones that yeah. you know they don't have they can't they can't eat anywhere or they have to walk quite a ways to go anywhere yeah but there's still slums right in the center of bangkok yeah. like james me and you've discussed the place behind uh Sukhumvit 14 uh in between Sukhumvit 14 and benjikiti park near the tobacco factory where there's uh, a street of just slum houses and then you've got klong toy which is only a, a mile down the road mm. there's definitely places you can you can exist and right I, under I, the airport link uh yeah. there's there's little little right, makeshift right, shacks right. And, and i keep thinking well hang on am i missing a trick here should i get a little house down there and, <laughs> and live with the locals and pay five or six thousand baht a month or whatever I'm rather sure than you know, it, five that i'm paying now it makes it di- i mean like i was just uh i hadn't talked to my ex-wife in, in a while she's thai um but we just had it was her birthday so i like contact her and stuff and and i was just bitching because because it's so hot now and my aircon bill you know is so it just racked up my rent and everything she oh my god you know where i live she lives like soy and tamara so it's 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 off from bts and that's part of why um but yeah she's paying four thousand uh rent and 600 electricity and she said oh yeah i have aircon on all the time 24 but her room's so small well, but it, yeah, but it's also six hundred. Like mine was, mine was three thousand baht. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. My, Aircon. Yeah, yeah. My, my, well, my electricity bill is normally not normally, but 
this right. between, the last two yeah. months. Between yeah. five and eight hundred baht. And That's my normal too. Yeah, yeah, and as I say, I was telling Lisa in the last podcast that um, I've just had the aircon a little bit recently with the kid. We've had some kids over, and yeah, up to one thousand five hundred, nearly two thousand, but three thousand is. It's where you, I you live. You must have been raping that air conditioning. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. I hate air con. I, Me I hate too. I only yeah. uh, before, but it's where I moved to because I moved in the same building. I was for quite some time, a few years, in uh, on the ninth floor on the opposite side with a fan, and that, I was fine with that. And then they renovated this top floor, the twelfth floor corner room, and I thought, mm. wow, that it was actually square footage, same. But but it, it they made it there was a lot more space so I said yeah. I'm getting it it was a huge mistake because it's on the corner opposite side the, you get the sun all day. so fucking hot it's un- but that's a trade off though because I love waking up on the morning either waking up on the morning with the sun coming through the window or oh, getting home from work with the sun coming through the window I think that's beautiful oh I don't mind that it. it's just the heat itself is yeah, just stuff. Yeah, but yeah. but the two three thousand is all, it's only because of last month and this month. I mean, my my normal is yeah somewhere around. Where, where, where are you? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, what, what yeah, I kind of mind. Ari, Ari. No, no, it's Ari. Uh, I'm right off of Rangnam, Rajaparo, right Rajaparo. off of Rangnam. Okay. In, yeah, I'm yeah. kind of in between Victory Monument, Payatai. It, it's kind of a nice location because yeah. I can go one direction and 20-minute walk to Central World, another direction, Victory Monument. Yeah, I, I used to live uh, in uh, right near Central World in Manhattan Condo, which is in uh, Pratanam, basically. Oh, okay. Uh, and I loved, I loved living down there because... Yeah, that's it, a good area. Yeah, on Petbury. Petbury right, 39, right, right. I think it was. And I, I, I was really, really fucking happy down there. Yeah, I'm close. And, and now I'm like on Asok on Sukhumvit end and I'm still as happy. But yeah, I, I had good memories down that end. I think it's cool because uh, there's a lot of uh, Arabs and black guys down there. Or there was in my area anyway, but, but not a lot of yeah. white I'm guys. I'm kind of further down. but Yeah, but I like that anyway. Yeah, I oh, I, I love the mix. I, mm. love, I mean, my, my building is mixed. You know, Westerners, lots of Indians, mm. Filipinos, the Antis, and so I like that. Yeah. What's your rent per month? Um, it it comes out. It's not that much. It comes out to around nine thousand, and then oh. whatever electricity and water. Yeah, I've got to sort my shit out. Mine's twenty three. <laughs> I got, I think, I yeah, got but a that, it's, three bedroom house for seven thousand. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? Oh, because you're further out, right? I'm getting hard. That's, That's the thing. It's still a, on the BTS. It's the choice of yeah. you know. It's a choice of where you want to live. And I like central. Have you got a bedroom or one bed? No, nah, it's yeah. It's, it's it a studio. studio. It's studio, but okay. like this one is. It's a nice design. But nine k. I mean, I'd I'd be up in a studio for nine k. Yeah, I pay ten thousand for my studio. Wow, and where are you? What, I live in Lad, Lad Prow, Lad Prow okay, one hundred and one, cool. which is north north Bangkok. Yeah, which um, there's no BTS now, but they're they're building a BTS station right coming, there right. in Sinakaline. They're going to make a Sinakaline line there. Mm. It's always so. a balance. It's I mean, because I have a friend who lives uh, Udam Sok in this nice nice condo. Thing, you know, so when I went there, it's like beautiful outside. There's these yeah. fountains and a swimming pool that goes the entire thing. A fitness thing, a, a restaurant, a, con, a huge convenience, or all this shit. But then I and, he and, and he said, anyway. <laughs> and he said his rent was ten thousand. Because I said, wow, this is cool, you know, ten thousand. But then I got to his room, 
And it's nice. I mean, I'm in a mid-range apartment building. You know, it's an older apartment building. His is newer. But it, I, I like space, and it was it's so small. Mm-hmm. So it's you know you can't it it depends what that, you that, want. That, that's a good point. His like, amenities are great outside yeah. of his room, but his room is yeah. just like oh. you, half the time you don't use the fucking amenities anyway, do you? It's like I mean I use my swimming pool occasionally, and I use the gym occasionally, but I go running in the park anyway. So. I got my rent. I I worked in Minbury for a year, and I, I I found one of these Thai style apartments. You know, it's a studio. You go outside the balconies there, and the bathrooms kind of attached to the outside. On the oh yeah yeah, you I know love those, those, places, those yeah. I paid two thousand baht a month wow. for this place. Two thousand baht a month. Wow. And, what year uh, was this? Nineteen seventy three. That wasn't too long ago. Yeah, a couple of years baht. ago. Wow. And um, but there was one of the best things about it. There was no internet. There was no Wi Fi. And at that time, I was holding on to this no smart smartphone thing. So I got, like, three film scripts done. I got a novel finished, and mm. I started painting. Uh, so I got some canvases wow. and started painting cool. in this studio. Focus. Actually painting in the studio. And, yeah. And, <laughs> and then two years later, <laughs> you're like, that's, fuck that. <laughs> that's really cool to hear, because if you actually turn off these goddamn devices and every all these distractions that you have. It's so amazing might, what you, you get might, done. Yeah, <laughs> you just sit. Like, some of these amazing artists throughout time, they just sat in a room for weeks it was boredom years, is, is that years, what you're saying these, these that's famous... what you're saying jordan that basically the amazing art is just boredom that's it. Well, no, yeah. it's lack of distraction well it... i mean go ahead no it's it's so true because i only in the last three months because i always hold out with uh technology shit and i have a smartphone but only three mo- or four months ago whatever it was i i Added on Wi-Fi so I could have Facebook and all this shit, and I avoided it for exactly now what's happening because now I have it, and if I have if I'm in between wherever I'm going to work and stuff, and I'm at a Starbucks or something, it's like I go to my Wi-Fi where before I read a book or I mean I I write scripts, yeah, Yeah. or you know, and now it's a drug. It is this thing is is a drug. Like it's it's like uh, you go to it and you're like before you know it, you're going to it and you don't even know you're going to it. It's self-indulgent. That's what it is. It's it's this little thing that's a it's like a book, but it's all about me, 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 and the rest of the characters are all your friends, friends, friends. But it is, and but like it, Jordan, it's, it, it's, it truly is addictive. And I oh, mean, totally. I I have rules with with friends. I've never had to do that with you because you don't do that. But I have friends like you know, and they'll ask me out for lunch, you know. And then we're sitting down, we're talking, and they got their phone right there, and they're I'm saying something, and they're like, uh huh, uh-huh. you know. I said, no, 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 no. It's like. I'm walking, you know, if, you, if yeah. you're like half on your phone and half, you know, it's like you invited me, you know, mm-hmm. and there's certain people and certain ones, they'll, they'll say, John, I've got, it's like a little kid, they'll say, I've got to take this call, is that okay? You know, it's like, whatever, you know, <laughs> but it is, well, because it's, you know, there is emergency sometimes calls, but most times. What we should do is we should go back to those brick phone in the 80s. Let's see how yeah. much you carry that around. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I'm just self-conscious now because I've touched my phone or what twi- is it, the twice brief, in this The podcast. briefcase that you have to open up and have the phone. Let's see how many people carry their oh, phone right, if they have yeah, to do yeah. that. I'm fucking leaving that the thing out. The car phone's right as well. <laughs> Put hey, it on no. your shoe. You, you would know. that uh, Get smart? No, you might be too young. Get smart? Get sm- no, you're too young. That age, you don't remember Get Smart? I don't remember Get Travolta. Smart. Oh, well, it was from young. the late 60s, 70s. Oh, no. I was a little kid, but I happened to get now uh, two of the seasons. It's one of the funniest shows. It was Don Adams, but it was Mel Brooks 
before he well no he did some movies but it, it was his his take on James Bond you know and so Don Adams had all these devices and one was his shoe phone so he's like <laughs> in a fight you know they're at guns you know and, and the phone rings and he goes uh, just a minute what is that oh it's your phone just it's your shoe your, your shoe's <laughs> ringing. And I don't know. It, it was, sounds it like uh, Police Squad with Leslie Nielsen as well, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, I love that. Yeah, show. yeah. Naked, Naked, Naked Gun. Yeah. Naked Gun. But no, the Police Squad though, was a TV was a series show. Before, yeah, wasn't yeah. It? Yeah. Get Smart, though, was a, fun, that was a funny show. But it was all about, yeah, technology and all yeah. these devices. and Get Smart. Okay, I'm going to have to watch. I thought you were on about Get... When I said they're, John Fulton, I thought you meant Get Shorty, but Get Smart. No, 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 okay, not right. Get Shorty. Okay. Yeah, they're, 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 that's what I was thinking. With, uh, it was the guy from The Office. It was... Something like that. Carell. Yeah, Carell. Yeah, <laughs> Steve Carell. Steve Carell. Oh, well, yeah, they, I didn't like they, the movie. They, they, they took they it did, from the TV that's show. That's what I thought. Yeah, right. I, I assumed it was it, that uh, It didn't compare. Of the course TV they did show it. They is never do. hilarious. <laughs> they never do. He's the, actually a funny guy, though. Steve no, Carell. he is. Yeah. He is. He's but, awesome. Yeah. He's, he's one of, I mean, I think I might have got this off Joe Rogan, actually, but he's, he's one guy that's made a good transition from a comedic, Actor to being a really, really yeah, so good dramatic. Go yeah, the Big Short act. Uh, I and, really and also, him in have the you big seen short. Foxcatcher? No, I didn't. Oh right. He right. plays John Dupont in Foxcatcher, and it, and his makeup is such that you can't even recognise that it's really? Steve Carell. Brilliant, superb. Yeah, very, very like controlled. Yeah, he's a great non-emotion. Actor. I mean, that character Foxcatcher. Yeah, Catcher. yeah. Right. But most Fantastic. of his humor comes from just being. I feel like I get a sarcastic kind of mm. humor from him, where he's like straight face. He gets into he virgin. gets into this deadpan. Ca- oh, yes. forty year old so good. He that just gets into I that role, him. and he just he just he he becomes that role. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Michael Scott in The Office, he became that role, mm. and no one ever knew yeah. that he could do anything outside The Office. You know what I mean? That was a but a, see not not to throw out acting, not even techniques, but just stuff that I know about acting. Uh-huh. It's like. Like when you have an actor that that doesn't have a lot of uh, uh, I don't know range or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. a director will just say, "Don't do anything," and it does read kind of that deadpan. But then the ones that are really good or in comedy, really funny, like Steve Crow, are the ones where it's deadpan. But if you look at his thoughts, are and you can read what those thoughts mm-hmm. are, and that's what's funny. Yeah. Like if I don't know if you guys know Stephen Wright. Uh, the, Amer- the comedian, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Boston. I, comedian, I mean, right? he's just like one-liners. Yeah, but and he's deadpan and, uh, and very kind of his voice is just yeah. So I walked home last night, and I, you know. But the, the jokes are really funny. But then also, it's just you just see in his eyes, there's mm. thoughts that go with it, and right. that's what right. kind of. The, there was a film I watched recently. I think it might have been reviewed, John. I can't remember. But it was at the film club, and it was uh, Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. Oh, and John Steve, Candy. Uh, yeah, it's with Steve. John Candy's great. He's kind of physical uh, mm. comedy. But um, Steve Martin, the things that you just described that are going on in his eyes when he's, he's absolutely still, but you can feel every emotion <laughs> that is uh, uh, bubbling over inside exactly. of him. Such a controlled, um, measured, excellent performance. By uh, John. Steve, what what happened to him? Who Steve Martin? Yeah, he's he's still, he's still, around. He's still around. He doesn't act. I don't he's think. still he doesn't. No, he writes a lot. He actually, mm. but his career took a serious. Play, but he he's I think he U-turn. did some like play scripts and got more into that. Uh, mm. I think that's more of what he's doing. Uh, um, yeah, 
he was a, I know an actor that that uh, knows him or knew him, um, and he's like a extremely shy guy. This is why he actually yeah. went through a lot of marriages too. He's just he's very even in his personal life reserved and shy with everybody, even mm. person from what this this guy I know this actor I yeah. know. Um, but when you get to his level of fame, it's like what else is there to do? I mean, he he doesn't need the work, does he? Well, actually, you know what I really respected him for was uh, he said, and why he kind of he started changing also, like Steve Carell, maybe not to that degree, but um, doing different kinds of roles is because he, he he's a really intelligent guy, very highly intelligent guy, and he said like, yeah, I watch my early stuff, and it's very external, superficial comedy, <laughs> and not it's not real, and then he started doing where he was just you know he was. Some romantic movie with Meryl Streep and da da and mm. all the, or Parenthood and where he was mm. trying whether it was great or not I don't they weren't great but but it just he he wanted to branch he wanted to yeah. shift he saw like his limitations and didn't want to get side I respect people that it, even if it they're successful or not at it that they yeah they want to kind of branch out yeah it's like we was talking about the other day there's periods in your life like when you do. The crazy, risky stuff. The slaying the dragon type stuff he probably did earlier on in his career and then just decided to hold back, maybe write, find a different craft. Right. And uh, I know he writes a lot. Yeah. Um, He's a good musician as well, isn't he, I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so, yeah. Picasso yeah. at La Pina. I think a lot of these guys are. They, they have these multi... Uh, it's just uh, a creative person. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But John, you're an actor, right? You've done a lot. Uh, is is there anything? Uh, have we seen you in anything? I mean, is there anything that we'd know? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's cool. But uh, I mean, no, how I mean, many I've how got, many moves have you done? I don't know. I haven't, I'm on IMDb. I, I yeah. never I never got into the counting. I know actors as like, oh, I've got. You know, You've got these credit, yeah, credits, yeah. Credits or whatever. That's cool, like, man. That you don't. I care. don't really care. Um, yeah, movie one, and actually, I I also. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't push it that much anymore. So yeah. I, I actually have more credits that are on that IMDb, but you have to be a member, and it's like, eh, I don't really you got to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, that. Yeah, but, it, but it wasn't the money. It's like too many people take too much credit in IMDb. I think it's a mm. great uh, reference thing, but it's like it doesn't tell everything. And there's small independent movies, and I've been in a good amount of small ones, independent ones that um, there's there's a – a certain budget to get on to, to mm. get the credit on IMDb. Right. And so there's a lot okay. of good independent that. movies that don't actually that has changed though. I think, mm. um, because now I'm seeing really little stuff and even trailers and, and short movies, but there wasn't before when it started out, there was kind of like a, I don't know, like a, not a rating system, but yeah, budget of how big the movie had to be, mm-hmm. I think. Um, oh, that's interesting. But I, I, did, I did more stage work, and, and uh, with film, uh, I mean, I love film, but I honestly, um, I got frustrated in the last 10, 15 years or so because it's just not what it used to be. It's not, the, it's not about, like, the older director actors where it's like Sidney Lumet or... Um, Ilya Kazan, where it's about the actors in the script. Now, it's all about the technology. It's all about, and it's frustrating because you, you know, as an actor, you if you do have a craft, you you know how to work and create and build a character into something uh, something else or something more. But 
there's no time. It's like learn your lines. Most of the directors do not know how to work with actors. They, and that's why if you say you want another take, I thought I was making this up because I would tell this to people. It's like uh, directors just tell you like, hey, don't worry, we'll fix it in editing. It's like, well, I didn't say I did anything wrong. I want to try it a different way. And then yeah. I read Kate Blanchett said the same thing. She was actually talking about why she liked working with actor directors like Woody Allen because he constantly is saying, you want to try it a different way? Let's do it completely different way. Where she said, most of the time I ask the director and he says, don't worry, we'll fix it in editing. You know? mm-hmm. So I, I kind of, yeah, I, I stopped. Not that I, I'll, I'd say no to if, if I get called up, something that's challenging, but I'm not pushing it anymore because unless I find those kind of, I don't know, Eli Kazan type directors or Sidney Lumets or John Cassavetes or Mike Lee. Do you know Mike Lee? British? Um, I feel like I've heard Naked, the name. Secrets and Lies. The process, there's never a script. Do you know, you know about Mike yeah, Lee? Yeah, I've heard about his work, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's his, I mean, I wouldn't want to take six to nine months, which is what he does, but there's never a script. He starts I'm picking that actor, that actor, that. Mm. And then individually for the first month or two months, he just talks individually with he interviews and they start building a character and then by the third month he said okay now let's start doing improvisations together and and through that he starts developing a story and it's just beautiful and when he started out he always had a hard time getting money and he said like yeah i'd go to bbc and they'd say well what's the title he goes i don't know yet he goes well what's it about it's like I'm not sure yet. <laughs> you know? and, but it was so... It's a hard sell, right? And, but when you watch his movies, that's, that's exactly what's so great is that, uh, I mean, the acting is just so well, what, profound. What can we say that he's done? Naked, Naked, I thought, was the best thing he ever did. And the only great performance from David Thewlis, I don't mean his other performances were bad, but it was just so raw and visceral. Mm-hmm. And, and then Vera Drake... Which that he okay, I know that one. He he had a theme, but that was it. It was mm-hmm. still improvised, and the theme was basically abortion in the 1950s mm-hmm. because it was illegal. And uh, this one woman, who this amazing British actress, Amelda Staunton, yeah, I know she's her, yeah. she's amazing. Um, she she had a family, her grown up kids, and da da, and just this regular life. But on the side, and her family didn't know she did abortions, and. Uh, Mid in the middle of the movie, um, they're having Christmas dinner, and uh, there's a knock on the door, and the the oldest son comes and gets it, and police come in, police come in, and they're all looking, you know, at the police, and they say, "We need to talk to Mrs. Drake." And the interesting thing, Mike Lee didn't tell any of them that was going to happen. All he told them is, "You're having Christmas dinner." Mm. So. All uh, and all other actors. Oh, all other actors didn't know that she did abortions. They still didn't know what the story was about. Oh wow! wow. And that's and, cool. But oh. what was really cool? Not only that they were flustered of what's going on here, but when you looked in her eyes, she he Mike Lee didn't tell her the cops were coming either. She didn't know where the story was going. All she did know was she gave abortions. But when those cops got to the door and asked for her, you, you just looked in her, and then she knew. That, what they were it, it was just so powerful that kind of makes me wonder why why don't all directors i know leave a little bit untold to their actors i, to I was it. discussing this topic and i love discussing this topic with movies nowadays and especially with my friends uh i feel like we've gotten more away from the art form of acting yeah. directing and now it's more towards 
making the money mm. and and bringing the money in, Marvel getting your getting movies. your money back. Because if you if the one thing you always hear about a movie, it's not whether it was really or good or bad or what, what the box office was. It's what the box office right. was, how much money it brought in. Because a lot some people will say. It was a it was it was a good movie and then but it didn't bring in money so it's labeled as a bad movie you know what right, I mean right. like it just didn't, and it means it, nothing because those box office <coughs> receipts it's just for that first week they push that first week how many people we can and that's yeah you're right you're right it's just I know it's it it makes no sense and that's what they they still show the gross you know and it's like well and especially when it's small I like a lot of small independent personal movies. None of them are going to make money, so you can't go by that. You can't go by like, oh, because they didn't make a lot of money. I don't like that. I was looking at going to the cinema recently. It's been so hot, and the cinema's a good place to cool out. It is. Chill yeah. out, chill yeah. out. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, there were some films I wanted to see. There was Us by the guy who did uh, Get Out. Yeah, oh, I did yeah. want to see that. Um, yeah. And Pet Cemetery was on as well. Uh, but I looked at the list of films, and Avengers has come over and taken over like six Every screens s- in each screen, cinema, yeah. and that is just that's not it's not cricket, it's right. not fair. I don't like that. Right. It shouldn't be that way, um, but you shouldn't have to game the system that way. You know, yeah. um, if it's a good movie, okay, you've spent a lot of money on it, okay. Um, if it's good enough, put it in one screen, and right, you know, there's seats empty in those cinemas. You know, the the closest I've I've got to see to see in a um, a packed cinema was that Queen thing, the the biopic, oh, Bohemian, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody, and that that, that, was, that, that ran for bad. weeks and like weeks that. and weeks yeah. and weeks, and uh, that was a pretty anticipated movie on that one. Yeah, yeah, but that didn't start off by block buying six screens in a cinema. Right. It was just like a regular release right. that the public liked, and and you know word of mouth what have you well and especially here they only wait until after the oscar nominations that then they'll show some movies that are nominated like that like bohemian rhapsody i mean it'd been out for the whole year already it didn't show until the nominations came out then they played it mm. but, but, it, but it would have got a, it would have got a release here regardless right i guess i don't really know cuz i don't think they know like what the movies i'm not sure i don't know i remember i had heard the 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 anticipation of the release started about a year previously because i'm a big queen fan and uh, i once i heard that was coming out that's the only thing i was looking forward to yes they did a really good sly promo yeah just a social media campaign my kids were coming up to me like dad we gotta watch this movie and it was like a year before it came out or something or six months before and and the trailer was well put together it's like it was like you you have the you have the most and you, the thing about that trailer was they put the most the biggest scene of the movie in the trailer mm-hmm. and that usually movies do not do that they don't put their the best scene as as being in their trailer they want you to anticipate something but something about that movie was like look this is what we're giving you it's going to be a great damn movie get your ass in here to watch it there's going to be great music Great, great performances by Queen and, and 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 the Live Aid scene is the thing. Is the Live Aid scene and everybody? I wanted to go just I, for I was that Live on Aid scene. Social media, how they did that man with the green screens. That, that, it was really that's what they showed in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had the they had the real crowd in there, but green screens of the you mm. know of the actors playing it. I remember watching right. that at home on TV. Um, that's something showing, Live Aid. showing my age now, yeah. uh, but I could have only been six or seven or something. And I was talking to some guy in the pub, and he said, oh, I was there. Um, he pulled out his phone, and he had a photo of him at Live Aid 
My friend crowd. was at Live Aid too. <laughs> oh, real Live Aid. Oh. It was a free concert. Yeah, it was a free, yeah, yeah. absolutely free concert. I had a really hot day. Apparently, it was. It was. Uh, mm. I, I, think, I, think, I would have braved it. There was. I think it was really hot all day. Or... Then it then it rained for like um, twenty minutes or something, and then it stopped raining. And then Queen came on, almost like biblical. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the sun <laughs> pierces through the clouds. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. But th- that was a great fit. I, I don't know, John. You didn't like it so much as I seen uh, we it. did. I uh, didn't dislike it. No, I, ju- I am. I'm critical about. Movie. I don't know if it's because I'm in, I'm in the industry or not. So I get critical of like, okay, what could make it better? I liked it. I enjoy. It. I thought it was good. I thought there was some flaws in it. Like I didn't think, um, which didn't make it bad either. I mean, I still, I still thought it was, it was a decent, good right, movie. I right. mean, what's his name, Rami Mayfoot? Rami Malek. Yeah. Yeah. He got, he got uh, the Oscar, right? But yeah. yeah, yeah. But I thought things like, um, I mean, I actually see the, the story, the narrative tells you that they were this close knit family and all this stuff, kind yeah. of, you know, the band. Yeah. I didn't really get that from which I blame the director of which pro, that might have been because they had the split directors yeah yeah I don't know but I I didn't I didn't feel it I got it from the narrative mm-hmm. but I didn't really feel it from the and I didn't really buy the actress the wife um a few things but especially of not even being aware see these mm. are like good a good actor or actress see I'm looking like, at it from a writing point of view from a script point of view and a production point of view, and it was excellent in all parts. But I, yeah, I, admittedly, from an acting point of view, it was flawed in many places. The yeah, band yeah, and that's all that I'm good. saying. I'm not saying it was yeah, a bad movie. Yeah. But I, but like her, like you know, like a good actress would have like. Oh, are you at gay? Different I didn't realize. Thought, like he, he's coming across <laughs> kind of gay. In her, you know, you would yeah. get it in her eyes where yeah, she didn't. Yeah, there was like yeah. nothing until they were in that radio station yeah. and the Kenny and then she, all of a sudden she yeah. like realized. So why didn't you tell fine. me all this time? Of course yeah, she yeah. knew. Yeah, yeah, and it's. But that should have been like like little moments like where they're they're together and she's, you know, sometimes it's just a gesture or it's just yeah. a, a facial expression. That's all. It, but there was like she went by the script. Oh, this is where I discover he's gay. You know what I mean? Right, and yeah. like, that's it. Yeah. And that's something like you do learn in acting. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman, he would like have his scripts in his trailers and he goes. Let's see. This is. I'm gonna. Okay, it doesn't really come till this scene where I really discover yeah, this foreshadowing. But, but yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like scene three. I can just give a glimpse of you know, yeah. and that's, and and because the audience is gonna see only two hours of it anyway. You know, it's like they'll remember. Oh no, he did kind of mm. think about it before. That could have made it a, a, a great film. Well, it see, was a, a, a truly yeah. great. As film. a, as a, I'm a I, I would say I'm a diehard Queen fan. I, I for a while there, I, I stopped. Queen. I stopped, but I was listening to a Queen song every day for about two years. Every day for two years, just listening to a Queen song. And when the movie came out, I watched it. The one thing that I, I enjoyed it. A lot of people had a problem with them not portraying Freddie Mercury as being. You know the his gay life in it. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a problem with that because we're not focused on Freddie oh, Mercury. We're we're, we're focused on Queen as the band and their journey and going through what the, the trivial times that they had to go through. But the thing that I had a problem with that film was, uh, it, I, 
as a as a as a fan, the dates and all that just had you like, uh, uh, this song didn't come out at this time. This song came out before this time. Oh, it was, really? It was it some was, anomalies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had like well, and Live Aid. He uh, didn't discover he had AIDS tell, until after. Yeah, until tell way after. But and that then, was a theatrical license yeah. of like it's more dramatic yeah. right before yeah. we go on. Yeah. There. You can allow uh, that. No, I agree. Yeah, sometimes. But, the, but I didn't have a problem with that one either. That wasn't the biggest one. It was. It was how the songs came out. Like they had like like uh, Fat Bottom Girls. I think it or or uh, coming out in like seventy nine or, or or no eighty something eighty one or eighty two, and it came out in seventy seventy eight or seventy nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was just, I was just, 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 just the dates were just all, well, all, f- all fuck, fuckity. But that was I, to, that was to, that was to speed it up. I understand, but for people, you know, and P- Queen fans go to watch that show because they're Queen fans. fans. Yeah. So when we're getting these dates wrong and the sequence of the songs coming out, it was like. Oh. That's what disappointed me the most. I was like, you know, it's I, hard when you go through a whole when it's anything is real in a movie and you're going through almost an entire life. Yeah, it, it is hard. Like how they, how do we? Yeah, and and sometimes it's in the editing because some of those scenes might have been there where it was in order. Yeah, and they said we got to cut this out. We got, and so it just goes. Yeah, a lot of times people don't realize that it's in the editing, and there's scenes that yeah. were there that would have like built it up. Do you know that amazes me when you hear like and you know to go back to Avengers or whatever that you hear that there's an Avengers story. And originally it was two hours and 30 minutes long, and now they've cut it down to one hour, 45 minutes. And you think, what the hell did they get rid of? If it was originally supposed to be this long, and that's the, that's the dialogue and the story arc, right. what are they getting rid of? I mean, that, as a director and as a Well, as that's a, a lot of times that must what be. ruins it, um, and it's usually the producers. Yeah. The producers are the ones that are always afraid of a movie being too long, and, that, and they, they chop it up. Mm. Not all the time, but a lot of yeah, a lot of times. I mean, I'm a I'm a musician. I'm a songwriter, and I could imagine writing a six minute song and someone coming back to me and saying, "Right, there's got to be four minutes." And right, thinking, right. No, it can't well, be that, four that minutes. That was the, one of the, the best scenes, wasn't it? In Bohemian yeah, yeah. Rhapsody, Michael with, Mike Myers. Mike Myers he was plays great, the, uh, the the Mike rec- Myers was in that movie. Yeah, yeah he played the uh, record uh, uh, label yeah, boss. I the oh, guy's really? name. Yeah. Oh wow! You wouldn't recognize him. The ginger hair and yeah, he's. Yeah, a record that long will never sell. You know, mm. we'll never be able to uh, put it out like that. And it ended up being one of the most iconic songs of all time. Mm. Uh, because well, that's kind of like I, I have a bad I have a bad attitude towards critics and producers, but not all producers, obviously. But a lot of times that is how movies get ruined. And like there was Michael Cimino, who's most famous for Deer Hunter, he did then Heaven's Gate, which Totally got panned as the worst movie ever, and uh, uh, yeah, it ruined his career. Like nobody would hire him again. And I saw that um, when it first came out in cinemas, and I thought, God, there's something missing to this movie. But I didn't think it was as bad as the critics made it. But then, only like two, three years ago, the director's cut came out, and it's okay. It's not twice as long, but it's a lot longer, and it makes sense, and it is. It's a work of art. Mm. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, you know. And they totally, but the the producer said, "No, it's too long as it is. We got to still cut it up." So it wasn't making sense a lot of the yeah. movie, you know. And uh, a, they, a, a lot of things, a lot of things I see on TV and and in movie theaters just smack to me of too many dirty fingers, like too many too many people, too many different. Yeah, it's exactly true, you know. 
too many, too many chefs. Too many, yeah, exactly. too many uh, producers who, have, and they shouldn't have a say. Say so. They should. They should Kick trust the director and then just not hire him again if they don't like him. Mm. But you got to put your full trust in the director. And then the same, another thing that's ruining both TV and movies is like all these writers. I mean, you'll get the original writer and then you'll get, they'll bring somebody else in as, as a rewriter and then another person as a rewriter. And it, I forgot there was some movie I just saw. I forgot what it was uh, on TV. But then I Googled it, and, and, and it, like, had the potential. But, yeah, it had, it had the original writer, who is well-known, and then two rewriters. And to me, that's probably, I can't say that for sure, what kind of, like, brought it down, you know? I, th- I think it. for each, like, uh, Family Guy or South Park episode, there's, like, ten writers. You have to write for TV or film in a team. There's no yeah. other way that it works, as right. far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've written solo stuff. And it's weak. It needs. It's there's too much at stake. It needs to be filtered for at least two or three other people. And it's ideal. Well, two or three sitting down in a room like we are now. If if I That's write true. if I write a script, and then I pass it to Mickey, and he'll do some rewrites with his ideas. If we're all on the same page, right? right, we, right we all right. have to say now. Then Mickey passes it to John. John passes it to Jordan. It comes back. We got pretty much the same thing, but you know, we well, got, we've got some new ideas. Um, we'd need a female as well. We'd, we'd need a woman uh, to look at the script as well. Uh, if it's going out to a huge audience, um, writing for TV and film has to be done by a team. Well, I don't and know that, about that, that's film. Di- that's TV is a, is a different story because it's a weekly thing. But even with that, see, in the U.S., I, I feel most of the time they have way too many writers. That's why, what was that show? Mad Men. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy that wrote it. I forgot his name, but uh, he said, no, I'm the, oh, was it Sorkin? No, but um, he said, no, I'm the writer. And then he had a team, but they basically, it was tweaking. You know, it's like, Mm. it it was his thing. And in England, actually, it's a lot more where, okay, maybe it's two or three writers. I think uh, that old show, Only Fools and Horses or whatever. I think only that, Fools and Horses, yeah. I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. only had, I, I might be wrong. Yeah, I think it was I think two the writers. Was two. And, it yeah. was, and it was an hour. In the early days. It went from a half an hour to an hour show, you know. Um, and the same with Charlie Booker. Uh, well, now other writers are doing Black Mirror. Oh, Black Mirror, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's a balance. I mean, I worked on one TV pilot where there was three of us writers. The thing that you need to work as a team is we were all coming from different places. It was a sitcom. This one guy was really into Glee, which had nothing to do with the show. And I didn't even know the show Glee, you know. And he kept on saying, well, I keep on thinking of Glee. And I said, this is a, a supposed to be a, a poolside bar, and, you know. And anyway, it, you know, so you have to be on the same page, but still your own but, ideas. But that's the interpretation of the script by the di- director, the producer, the actors. Um, you know, for example, Crazy Medicine, the film we worked on together, um, the part I briefed to you, um, I'm not sure that Matt, the writer, wrote anything for it. Um, he may have done. Well, I, I might, you guys I, gave I, me something, but I may have rewritten it a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, so. And then you came up with your own idea, and then we filmed it. Right. So, I mean, that's how it's a filtration system. Uh, once you get the script, um, and I think actors, 
should totally do that. You know, if if Johnny Depp hadn't done that with Captain Jack Sparrow, it wouldn't have been a smash. You know, I'm sure the script he was handed handed for that the Walt Disney film was really quite. Oh, in fact, if re- it was really any, quite vanilla. It was, just, if it was me or any other actor that was a nobody, they would have fired him because that's what happened. Yes, Did I tell yeah, you what happened? Yeah. He, they gave him this. They just gave it to him because it was Johnny Depp, you know, and they just trusted what he was going to do with it. I don't know what it was. Five, six months he wanted to like rehearse or work on it on his own. Mm. Showed up first day and drunk. No, no, no. But he, he <laughs> did Keith Jack Richards, Sparrow, and and like the producers were flipping. He said, "We can't have it's just a Disney movie. He's coming off both gay and kind of drunk, you know. <laughs> we can't have it. It's like he made a millions, you know. So, yeah. so sometimes <laughs> they don't trust risk, you know. They, they don't. They risk averse these people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is funny. I've, I've never. That, that was that, a big yeah. fight. It was a big huge. Yeah. I don't know if if the director was on his side or with the producers, but the producers I know. Is that no way? They... <laughs> so a you... gay drunk pirate? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's funny. Uh, but I was actually having a conversation about uh, you know film uh, with my friend this weekend, and uh, I I I think what w- would earn the film industry a little bit more money. There might be a conspiracy theorist where I'm going to go with it is historical movies like on empires like Persia and all these things. It, it, it Life itself and civilizations have had so much drama in their own where like you could just tell a story and make it into a movie and it would sell tickets. I always say that the Babylon, it, all these all these empires that have been before and fallen. Game of Thrones is doing quite well, isn't it? And yeah. that was all based yeah. on the War of the Roses in yeah. medieval, medieval Britain. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I always say that. Isn't it Vikings funny? Vikings is another. Isn't, isn't it funny that your history teacher at school can take the entire history of human beings and make it fucking boring? Mm. Like unbelievable. Everything that that's gone into our human history, all the wars, all the violence, Genghis Khan, you know, and we boil it down into the shit that we can't even concentrate on for an hour. They they managed to make it boring. I had good history <laughs> teachers actually. I was really I was lucky. Oh Jesus, you're the only one. I was yeah, well, vaguely good. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you mess up history as a teacher, you're you're doing a really bad job. Very. Well, I just there was something on Facebook, some article just about that recently, talking about well, education in general, and I think it was America, um, and and they were saying that someone at the oh oh I know it it was a guy who uh, twenty five years as a teacher and he. He's quitting, or he quit already, mm. just because it's like it's a joke. Everything is based on, on these tests, and I mean, I haven't been in school years, so I don't know how it is now. But um, he gave up. But then all the comments, and most of them were teachers that agreed, you know. And one guy that was talking about, he said, "Yeah, I had one history teacher that made it so alive," and da-da. Mm. and then basically administration and all this stuff were, were saying they they said no, it's it's almost like a package deal because it's got to go with whatever the tests are or however you know and it just kind of ruined it mm. yeah uh the they just kind of cut any kind of well, there's a lot of propaganda as well in history mm. particularly well, in countries too. like this where it's just like a you know it's it, it's almost yeah it's it's almost like Goebbels like trying to condition people into thinking that their country is a superior race i mean we had a fair bit of empire stuff in our, on our syllabus, didn't we? Uh, at, at first and second oh, yeah. world war, we had um, 
but yeah, it was all, the most most, most, of, most of the time. lessons ended with us being the conquerors. You know, <laughs> well, every and every country's <laughs> going to do that. You know, well, they've had a good few cinema movies that were historical movies. Well, not probably accurate, but you had like Troy, you had Gladiator, Braveheart, Braveheart. And that, that's every time I run into a Scottish person, I'm like, William Wallace. <laughs> They're like, oh, shut you're the fuck up. You know, you, 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 shut, <laughs> the, shut up. Shut up. You, don't, you know what the fuck you're there's talking a, there's about. There's a great Stuart Lee stand up uh, 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 routine on, uh, on William Wallace. And he does it in Glasgow. And he's like, you do realize that uh, William Wallace was, in fact, gay. <laughs> when, when you go back into an old cave, um, you can see uh, written quite clearly, I am William and I am gay. <laughs> <laughs> he's got this big, and, he's, and he talks about his, his wife, who's a princess. And the princess, if you look at the historical data, was only four years old when apparently they got married. So not only is William gay... He's also a, a pedophile. <laughs> and you can see these, you know, Glaswegian, like, huge dockers, these guys getting angrier and angrier as he continues his routine. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, historical film has been loads, isn't there? There's been a lot of epics. I love Jason and the Argonauts and all mm. these old Greek, um, uh, the Golden Fleece and these kind of films. Do you remember watching well, they had those? Steve Reeves ones? With, with the stop-star right. animation and all this, yeah. the skeleton warriors and stuff. It's just fantastic. Well, they had the 300 also, 300. Yeah, the was, green screen film. Yeah, yeah. which is, uh, it was good cinema. Somewhat of it was good cinematography, but I mean, other than that, I just, I like historical movies and, and, and you know, I think history has a quite the amount of drama to add into a movie for people to enjoy. But where I was going with this conspiracy part is maybe people just want not want you to not know about history. Maybe they want they they want to dumb you down, and that's why they're not having any more of these movies. Might be a stupid argument, but I I feel like they they're not coming out with these movies no, anymore. What, I mean, when you hear people like Graham Hancock on Joe Rogan, who present an alternative timeline to the academics, they get maligned and they get pushed out and they get ridiculed because. You know, if you if you present an alternative timeline on Egypt or on you know uh, farming culture or anything that the 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 status quo just does not like it, they, right? They do not like it. And well, there, and that see, this is a problem with what well, history, historical movies, or whatever is. Um, you're going to get constantly all these disagreements of saying, well, that's not exactly what happened. And then, well, who's telling the truth? Well, I don't know. It was like 300 years ago. And and there's a difference between who's actually telling the truth, and there's a lot of countries that have lied about their history. Right. Um, but then there's also that people don't look into, which is interpretation. I mean – Five people see a car accident, you're going to get five interpretations. Of it, you know? And history is the same. You're, you're going to get interpretations yeah, of true. what this person was like or this person was like, what actually, what the event actually happened, you know? And that's where it gets so tricky. So you think it's a, a taboo thing then is why they don't make those movies just because you might have back, backlash or no, something no. from the... From uh, quite honestly, they're I, would, expensive. I would say it's more just expensive. They're really that's expensive. Uh, yeah, costumes. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Uh, period buildings. I'd say it has more to do with that. Oh, uh, I see. And really it, it's expensive. Just, and gee, fuck, you're, you're, any historical movie... I mean that's really historical. Yeah, you're, you're talking about a five month, six month. Shoot, Once you, you start know. building old ships yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh, I did um, sh- uh, the movie Shanghai here. Uh, 
Oh, with uh, that, 2000... uh, Jackie Chan and uh... no, 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 uh, no, that was Shanghai Nights. No, John <laughs> Cusack, uh, John Cusack, Chow Yun Fat. Oh, I love Judd. I love. It never got American distribution. Is Weinstein? I saw Harvey Weinstein was on set all the time. Uh, a real bully. Uh, um, had a great but, time. But here. this was like yeah. two thousand. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what nine, <laughs> eight or nine. But the, um, the sets were like it was. It, it was like close. It was a twenty-eight, thirty million dollar movie. There was one one scene where it was the, these mercantile shops, and he, oh, these mercantile shops and John Cusack's with uh, uh, whatever the actress was. Oh, Michelle Yao. Um, yeah, and. But they got this expert, and it, it was like every – it was detailed. Mm. That, that mercantile – those mercantile shops, that was $3 million. Jeez. And it ended up being a minute and a half of the movie after <laughs> editing. Wow. Because yeah. I, I was there. I was there during – no, they wouldn't let anybody take pictures of it, you know. Um, so, yeah, so that movie alone, wow. which – I mean, because that took – that was like the 1940 – that was the Japanese occupation of, of uh, China. Um, it was yeah, it was close to a thirty million dollar movie, you know, and that's why historical films are that's or that's why they question them. It's like, can we do this? Can we afford to do them? Mm. I think. I saw the nineteen eighty six film Pirates recently. Um, who who is the uh, the I, uh, Pirates? I'm having this thing where I can't find names as well. The um, director whose um, wife was killed in the Manson killings. Oh, Roman Polanski. Polanski. Oh, right, yeah. Pirates. Pirates right, 86 right, right. by Polanski. I didn't see it. I never and, saw it. And uh, that cost something like $45 because they had to build this, this old uh, galleon oh, $45 ship. $45 a lot. And when, you, when you're filming at sea as well, you've got to get all the fucking crew around one side, and then you've got to get them all around the other side, and you're, you're on water, and it's just really difficult mm. um, to film. And uh, it's, yeah, Did you watch it? It's, a, no, it's an entertaining film, and it, it made, I think, $5 million back. The mm. box office, wow. but um, that's and they did another pirate one here, didn't they? Uh, um, Cutthroat Island, um, down in Phuket or somewhere. Oh, long that, time ago, that was the same story, yeah. Cost billions or millions to make and absolutely flopped at the box office. So, yeah, I think that's why they don't so do stick, stay away from pirates. It's just really, really expensive. Right. Yeah. Stay away from pirates, James. Oh, yeah, I'm, that's all I'm saying about pirates. Because <laughs> I know you're writing a pirate novel no, at the moment. I stopped writing my pirate novel. <laughs> oh, why? Because I'm, I'm afraid someone's going to pirate it. <laughs> oh, very good. Make a contemporary pirate. Yeah, I mean, there was like these guys... Uh, do the opposite of Johnny Depp. I mean, he... he he used for Jack Sparrow. He said, "Well, I've always saw pirates kind of as rock and rollers." You know, that yeah. was his beginning of his Keith kind Richardson, of creep. Yeah, 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 that's how yeah. he kind of started. All, all my characters are people in the current uh, media eye. So I've got like this seal, um, this this fur trader, um, privateer, um, Scandinavian guy called Captain Peterson, who I I based on Jordan Peterson. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> you know, and he, cool. he, his life ends a bit horribly, but uh, that's pretty funny. But yeah, and all the all the characters are based on someone. Um, uh, Captain Corso, um, Corso actually means pirate in old, uh, uh, I think Italian. Um, it's based on Gregory Corso, the beat poet. All right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, everyone's based on someone. As they are in books normally. But anyway, I'm straying off to pirates. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> Stranger <laughs> times. Is he still alive? Gregory Corso? He was the last, well, second to last beat to die. No, Lawrence 
Ferengeli is still alive. He's 100 now, isn't he? Yeah, he's 100 years old. Yeah, yeah. Corso died about five or six, maybe 10 years ago. Who's Corso? Gregory Corso was an Italian kind of street kid. Um, He was... uh, um, He had an institutionalised youth. So he was in... uh, at his kid prisons, um, mm-hmm. juvenile um, prison, they would say, um, and then he and he would do silly things. He would just like steal an overcoat because he was cold, you know, and living in the street or whatever. Um, his parents had kicked him out. Various foster families had kicked him out. You know, he was, he was uh, not an easy kid to get along with mm-hmm. uh, because he was an American Italian. Um, his uh, when he was in prison, he had like the mafia. Um, uh, guys, what's, what's the Italian mafia would look after him, you know, and he'd, be, like, he'd entertain them by telling stories. And then he became, um, in his early 20s, he started writing poetry. And he, cause when he was in prison, he, he read all the literature in the prison library, yeah, and he kind of educated himself um, through reading, like, Dostoevsky and people like that, the Russian uh, poets and uh, European masters of letters. And he got really good, and he got picked up by the Beat Generation, who is... Alan Ginsberg and William Burroughs and these Jack Kerouac and people like that. Mm-hmm. So he was like the fourth, you know, if they were the three musketeers, he was the fourth guy. And then uh, City Lights uh, published, the, it's a bookstore in San Francisco where all the beat, po- you know about City Lights, right? Yeah, of course, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the bookstore and then their publishing company. Yeah, he, well, his first book was published by um, uh, a bunch of guys in Cambridge where you, where, 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 where you were living. Uh, and the university press published, oh, so it was made okay. from donations. Um, but then he'd go on the reading circuit, and then um, Lawrence Ferlinghetti heard him perform poetry live and uh, uh, gave him a deal to uh, publish uh, Bomb. Bomb was his big poem. It was written in the shape of a mushroom cloud, and it was, Oh, bomb, oh, bomb, I love ye, and, uh, you know, I, I, would, I want to die by you, atomic bomb. You know, it was really quite... Um, controversial in the 1960s with all these anti-bomb protest movement going on he was like um, no bring it on the bomb or or powerful bomb it's like a god and people used to hang this poster in their uh, um, in in their uh, student accommodation whatever and then he went to Paris and uh, a couple more books were published but he weren't really making it financially and there's these stories of Gregory Corso he was walking with a woman one night, and he said, um, OK, I'm going to go now, but um, tonight, don't lock your car. And she's like, why? He said, well, I need somewhere to sleep, you know. Mm-hmm. And he, he, was, yeah. he was constantly homeless. He was constantly, you know, uh, just walking into bars and, like, uh, you know, like gauging drinks off people and a meal here and a meal there. But he, he was a legend, and he died uh, recently in his 70s. Um, and he was abandoned by his mum, as I said at the beginning, um, and he'd never met her. And there was a documentary made called The Last Beat, which follows him to Italy, where he sees his real birth mother for the first time. Wow. And she's like 103 or something, you know. Um, but anyway, oh. that's Gregory Corso. <laughs> that's quite a history there. Isn't it funny? I didn't know that about it. I mean, I knew who he was, and I, knew, I read his stuff. I didn't know his bio. I met a man who met him recently in Bangkok, an uh, English uh, university in- English literature teacher, and he said he, he was in a, a New York hotel and Gregory got in the lift and there was just a smell of whiskey and oh, he was like, he's completely, piss. completely pissed. 
Oh, yeah, just last thing on that. There's uh, some of these artists, you know, they've, you know, died poor. And they they got they got rich after they were dead. You know, like Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Died poor, right? Edgar Allan Poe. Died soiled in his pants out front, you know, <laughs> drunk off his ass. Wearing somebody else's clothes. Wearing somebody else's clothes. <laughs> and Yeah, the, the thing was, apparently, uh, Edgar liked to drink, and he was in the bar, and the story I heard was that um, it was an election day, and um, some the, the people working, like the thugs working for one of the candidates, were picking drunks out of the bar, getting them to vote, and then giving them a change of clothes, and getting them to vote again. You know, mm. for for a few drinks, and that, 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 that's how they got Edgar. <laughs> so he was found uh, with pneumonia, drunk in the street, uh, wearing somebody else's clothes, and now his work is revered as you know some of the best in 20th century mm. literature. He invented like the uh, the horror genre, the crime genre, you know, and he didn't have a penny his whole. Uh, he yeah, didn't make any money them, from writing. Right. Really, most of them didn't. I think that I think that's a, an age-old story, isn't it, for artists that it's not until after they're gone a lot of the time, unfortunately, until we really appreciate some of them. them. Some of them live long enough. Charles Bukowski lived long enough, so his his arc was uh, leaving home at twenty twenty-two. But it was his later years. Oh, yeah, right became. at the end, right at the end, and uh, he wrote did these shitty jobs, worked in the Same post office. Henry Miller, it wasn't Henry he was Miller older. as well. Yeah, yeah. Henry Miller was like Corso. He was begging, basically, right. his whole life. And when he finally got enough money, he found it really difficult to stop writing these begging letters, which he had written every year for the last 30 years. He'd been writing begging letters to, to support his writing lifestyle. Uh, but Bukowski was different. Bukowski worked blue-collar job, jobs. He was, a, he was a postman. He worked in a sorting office. And then finally, a publisher, John Martin, came up to him and said, uh, OK, I'll give you 100 bucks." Um, a month to not work in a post office and to just write. And over like 10 or 20 years, that £100 became like 10000 a month. Mm. And then he had the the house with the swimming pool and the, the car at the BMW outside. He had Madonna and uh, uh, what was her boyfriend at the time? Uh, Sean Penn. Sean Penn coming over for brunch and stuff like that. So it right. was like a fairy tale. But you're right, yeah, guys, normally mm. normally they die, they die before that happens. If they're any good. Or even like uh, comedian TV stuff like Larry David. Whole different thing, kind of. But you know Larry David? Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, it was like he had this long career of really being a nobody. Like he, he what, it wasn't happening for him in stand-up. Mm. He was a writer on Saturday Night Live for one year. And he walked out because, like, they used three of his scripts. And then all of a sudden he's, like, in his 60s. And, you know, Seinfeld becomes... Popular, yeah. and then his his last Anthony, show. Anthony Hopkins is another mm. example, wasn't he? He was. Well, he but he well well. I mean, Silence of the Lambs is where he really got big, but he was he was actually still quite a known actor before that. Really? Lion, yeah, Lion in Winter, and uh, you know, Lion in Winter, Catherine Hepburn, and I mean, he was supporting actor in that. Magic. Did you ever see Magic? It's an old movie. It's from maybe the 80s. I don't remember. And he's, it's a spooky movie. I, I, now I don't remember. It might not be good. 
uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I saw it when I was younger, and I loved it because he was like he was a ventriloquist. And but then the ventriloquist started. It was real spooky. Started talking to him. It wasn't a horror flick. Either. It was it was psychological. You know whether this was real or not, and he was starting to flip out because. Uh, yeah. um, but that so he he didn't have a huge name, but he was. He was known. He was. He was still pretty known. Uh, hey, was on. he known in his forties? Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but he wasn't, famous... like, he wasn't like a bankable star. But no, he was a, a... that was until silence. He had a living him. wage. If it? I'm known in my forties, that's going to be perfect for me. Being 39 right now, so if I can get my music career just right, just going in the next two you're years. You're known now. You're a well-known podcast superstar po- host. Well, yes, you're right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> look. Guys, I'm sorry, uh, but I've got to. Uh, I've got to really. No stories. Do you, do you want to do some stories? No, I'll just do one story. Do you want to do some stories, John? I don't know. What do you mean by stories? Okay, let's do. It. All right. Just, <laughs> just a news item: the LGBT sandwich, perhaps. Okay. Yeah. Okay. LGBT sandwich. Oh, you mean news stories? So each oh, week yeah. we we look through the various news stories and pick out ones that are you know vaguely amusing or. Mm. Um, interesting. So, Marks and Spencer. Do you know Mark? Do you have Marks and Spencer in the US? I don't yeah. think you do. Oh, you it's do. Clothes, okay. right? Clothes, clothes and food. Yeah, clothes and food. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Marks and Spencer slammed, slammed. Yeah, it's a nice verb, isn't it? For slammed. gay sandwich packaged in rainbow-colored box. So, the supermarket released a twist on the classic BLT snack, added in guacamole. To help spell out the the acronym LGBT, lettuce, guacamole, bacon, and tomato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mark Spencer's been slammed by some members of the. Well, well, they've been slammed by members of the LGBT community. Yeah, oh, okay. it, was, it, was, it was a Twitter storm, is what For it a was. Gay sandwich. Um, but I, I think it's just genius marketing. Three quid. It's beautiful. Yeah, lesbian. Uh, oh, no, sorry, lettuce, um, guacamole. Bacon. Uh, bacon and tomato, <laughs> and it's in a little triangle package with a little rainbow picture on it. <laughs> you know, um, it's What's a wa- wrong with wonderful that, piece of marketing. What, why would the gay community ob- object to that when it's isn't it giving them a bit of a, a boost, a bit of a lift up? I think so. Yeah. I think it's totally making them more acceptable as a group. I just think um, people are too butthurt nowadays, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I mean, now with honestly, with whatever group. Somebody's gonna bitch and complain, mm. uh, yeah, and 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 because that's I don't know if you can. It's it's whoever's saying that because now I'm trying to break it down. It's like when people say, "Oh, the gay community," or it's women doing this, or it's like, "Well, is it all of them?" Or it's yeah. like, it's or like, some spokesperson. There was, um, yeah. Oh, the ones complaining about uh, Brie Larson's movie. The what Marvel movie was that? Captain something. Captain Marvel. Oh, Captain yeah, yeah, Marvel. yeah, yeah. And yeah, saying like, oh, there was all these guys complaining because she did or whatever. And it was like, I looked it up and it was like two tweets. Mm. It's like, okay, that's uh, not like all men. And, I, I, and I think that's what's happened here. One of the, is it like the male of the star or something? Uh, one of the journalists would have been out getting lunch and they would have the seen a sandwich, the mirror. They would have seen a sandwich in Marks and Sparks and then gone back to the office that's what and I think. checked Media. on Twitter. And seen like a couple of remarks about it, and thought, "Oh, that now I got a story." That's the rest of that's the, the thing. Media exploiting something, yeah. you know. That's that. That's but, a, but but no one was hurt, and mm-hmm. um, it's quite a quirky story. And there was one more story that I picked out as well about the um, uh, transgender, uh, tr- but she trans transed from transitioned from uh, male to female, 
and is now he into, a weightlifter. And maybe he was a weightlifter yeah. before, but now he's a professional weightlifter and is breaking all sorts of records in, <laughs> yeah. in, 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 in female uh, weightlifted events. How can anyone have who's got the right mind about them have a problem with saying that there's something wrong with that? But is it, again, just the media just trying to stir a reaction right, with right, us? Right, are, right. are these solid records being broken? And it does it Joe affect... Rogan. He's, he's a little bit pissed off by it, I think. Oh, I, so it's a I real thing. Believe. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Because because there, was, because there was a woman who transitioned uh, into... Sorry, there's a man who transitioned to being a woman, and then he became an MMA fighter, and he was just knocking oh, right. women out, yeah, like, yeah. every yeah. week. Yeah. Like, really pummeling them to death. <laughs> he was basically a man. In well, a, where can we stand on that? They well, got to make their own league. They got to have a transgender exactly. league. They make can't, their own league. If, if, I've got nothing. There's nothing wrong with transgender no. people. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. To make it fair, give them their own league, or, oh, right, or say yeah. like, okay, once you transition from from a, a man to a woman, it's got to be ten years. It's, you know, your bone density decreases and your hormones kick in and all that shit. Just just make it fair. But I mean, I, I even heard even on from the women's point of view, they're like the feminist women who are normally supportive of people becoming trans, but they're also pretty offended by the fact yeah. that these people are coming over and, and, and smashing them and, and taking over the women, taking best. over the women's sports because yeah, now great. now they're taking away from the identity of women and f- putting it focused on transgender, mm. which was a man w- was a man before. So then there's this exactly. there, there's this at the end of the day of, at of, the end of the day there's stuff. some guy coming over and smashing the shit out of women. I mean, that, that's what it is at the end of the but day. But imagine if there was, like, as Jordan suggested, uh, a league, a transgender league. Like um, Anyone can fight anyone. It's fine. Having the TV rights to that, it, bec- it, could, it could become cult TV, couldn't it? Watching, watching okay. trans- <laughs> I know. I can, sense, I can sense there's a business opportunity here, yeah, James. Let's yeah. trademark that. Roller <laughs> Derby Queens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful stuff. Put, put a trademark. Okay, on Okay, so we leave on the note of transgender. If, if we just need a name for the channel before we go. Um, so we got transitioning women to uh, men, uh, fighting ultimate uh, fight club, um, transgender. Transgenderania. Transylvania. Transmania. Transmania. Transylvania. Transmania. I'll let you nail it there, John. Transmania. Ultimate trans club. Okay. <laughs> So, John, um, you know, we, we have a few listeners, not, not, not a lot, but a few. If they want to get hold of you and they want to see your stuff, where, where can they come? Where can they find you on social media you on, or, on, or on the internet? Or, oh. Well, if you want to give us your postal <laughs> address, that's fine, but expect some... Um, oh, just my name, John Marengo. <laughs> How do you spell it? M-O-R... M-A-R... M-A-R... E-N-G-O. G-O, yeah. John Marengo. Yeah. And are you, are you on IMDb or anything? oh no you got a problem with IMDb right no I don't, no but I'm on, on there, it. Right? I'm just saying I, I it's it's definitely not everything I've done I because I didn't sign yeah. up as a member. <laughs> and, but, you say, yeah. and and you you're actively pursuing uh, the voiceover work and stuff now is there anything coming I, up yeah kind of different thing I'm voiceover work and I still co I coach acting and accent reduction oh nice um, and sometimes get called up for uh, on set for also like di- doing accents and dialects and mm. things like that. And, and I write. Um, I'm I'm terrible 
at pushing myself, promoting, so I haven't got anything. <laughs> right. Now, it, it's more of yeah. like somebody reads my stuff. It's like they like it. Okay, fine. Otherwise, I just write, you know, mm-hmm. and if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, uh, whatever. Cool. Uh, well, I think you can... I th- let's do me first. So you can find me at Crypto Mickey on Twitter or you can find us at This Strange Life on uh, on Facebook at This Strange Dot Life on the internet. Jordan? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Jordan Perez. Um, you know, shoot me a message. Maybe if you want to come on to the show you're interested to advertise something for yourself mm-hmm. or you know anything you want to come on, just have a chat with us. And we should say that we're at Check in check in ninety nine. Right? Check in ninety nine. Re- yep. Uh, shout out to check in ninety nine for uh, providing uh, uh, some a place to to call home that for awesome the podcast. Studio, right? A couple beers. And... Jimmy, cheers, guys. Thanks so much, Zeke, John. Um, John, you're great, man. Uh, excellent show. It was fun. Yeah, if, yeah, just Facebook, really. Facebook, 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 and uh, visit the page, uh, The Strange Life. And if you click the like thumbs up icon then yeah. you will be an automatic follower yeah all right thank you cool. john thank, thank you, you strangers